0: Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. Um, Here we are in the garden shed and uh, it's raining. And in this episode, we're talking about why you should read to your children and how you can or or, or should do it. To help me understand why it's so important and explain a very interesting, if a little creepy, experiment our scholars have been conducting here at South Mims U, I have Ben Bold, our reader in child psychology. Ben,
1: hi. Hi. It's great to be here.
0: Though you're looking a little weary, Ben, if I may say so. It's been
1: a rough night. Really? My six-year-old had nightmares and, well, you know what six-year-olds are like when they have a bad dream.
0: Actually, I don't. Oh, uh, do you have kids? Nope. Never wanted them, don't like them, if I'm honest. Right. Okay. Which makes me the best person to interrogate you about why reading to a child is beneficial.
1: Why does that make you the best person to ask me the question on the subject?
0: Because I don't really care if your child or any child thrives. I don't want anything to do with them. I have nothing invested in the subject.
1: Oh. okay, if you say so.
0: I mean, children are essentially savages, aren't they? Savages? Selfish, chaotic, dirty beasts.
1: Well, they can be, but when they're your own, Th- there's no love like parental love. It's totally unique and very fulfilling. Yeah, right, right. Sure it is. So you'd never have a
0: child? Never. The prospect of parenthood fills me with horror. I feel physically sick at the thought of, you know, changing them, listening to their wailing and their inane questions, and watching them puke and poop and pollulate. Pollulate? Fancy word for swarm. Oh. Is it? Yes. Ever been in a museum when a school party or two arrives? Hell on Earth! What's the point? Weren't you ever a child? Luckily, it was a temporary condition which I managed to transcend. Did your parents read to you? No, they did not.
1: OK. Well, reading to your child is very good for them. If you have a child? Yes, if you have one. Reading to them is a great way to stimulate their minds, teach them the value of learning, and,
0: of course, reading. If you care about that child enough to spend your time in that manner, I grant you that it would be beneficial in theory. More
1: than in theory. There's a lot of science which shows that reading to a child is vital for parental bonding.
0: Well, they, they only grow up to hate you and leave you and think of you as a burden as you get older.
1: Uh, That's a bleak view, especially for someone who's never had a child.
0: You'll admit it happens, and happens often. I'm sure it
1: does, but reading early and often to a child is a very good way of avoiding the kind of outcome you um, described.
0: Okay, so, to try and ward off the distinct possibility that your child will grow to hate you, reading... Trite little stories to them at bedtime is a way of hedging your bets.
1: That's a very cynical way of putting
0: it. I'd call it a realistic way of putting it.
1: Well, let's not debate that. The point of our work at South Mims U is to show that reading to a child is beneficial for both the child and parent.
0: Oh, so it's really about assuaging the parent's fear that they will be accused of neglect. Or hedging their bets if the child turns out to be a complete failure. What? I- I think get your logic. No one really wants to be a parent. It's biology which impels us. And once the brat appears, then it behoves us to sustain it or the law intervenes.
1: Look, can we focus on the work we've been doing and the experiment we conducted? That is the subject of this podcast, isn't it? It's why you asked me into the studio, isn't it?
0: I didn't ask you. It seems our most popular podcasts are about parenting. Oh, that was very alliterative.
1: Yes, it was, but...
0: Uh, Sorry, please. Explain why all your studies led to your little child being plagued by nightmares in the dead of night.
1: There is a link, which I'll come to. Though, I don't like your tone. Sorry, but you're being very hostile. I I really didn't expect
0: that. Don't be such a snowflake. Come on, Ben. What's the proof that reading to kids works?
1: Many studies show that reading stories deepens the bond between parent and child. It's not a passive thing, it's an active engagement. When you read a story, it's not a one-way street. The child engages with you about the story, and about what the story means to them, and to you, and the wider world. It helps develop communication and thinking skills, which will be vital later in life.
0: And at what age do you start wasting your time in this way?
1: You should read to babies. Babies?! Surely not. Yes. It's been shown that reading to a child as early as possible increases their chances of learning to read when they get to school age. Words and sentences and concepts become easier to grasp as they decode words on the page. In fact, studies in America show that children whose parents read to them as preschoolers are much more likely to graduate from high school.
0: Well, they might graduate, but they will still be Americans. I don't get your meaning. Is it worth teaching Americans to read at all. Most of them don't, do they?
1: That's an especially prejudiced answer and it's frankly a bizarre
0: comment. I don't understand where you're going with that. Calm down. Let's stick to the subject, shall we? you changed the subject. I did not. I merely pointed out that Americans graduating high school is not a sign of humanity's well-being. Let's focus on the subject. So, reading is good for little ones, yes?
1: Yes, we've established that. It's not just about educational attainment, it's about being human, too. A better human.
0: Mmm, my point entirely. What is? Americans. No, no, no matter. Continue, continue.
1: Stories help us build empathy. It's been shown that people who read literary fiction have more empathy than those who
0: don't. So, you should read literary fiction to babies. Tolstoy for toddlers. Dostoevsky for preschoolers. Crime and Punishment With pictures?
1: No, I wasn't thinking about that kind of literary fiction, at least not until the child is a confident reader on their own. What I'm talking about is the regular bedtime. Read to them every night, even if it's only for a few minutes. It all counts.
0: But children always want the same books over and over again. It's tedious in the extreme. How would you know? My sister has children. She's always complaining about having to read uh, Mr. Tickle every night to her five-year-old. She's bored to death of Mr. Tickle.
1: Well, actually, you've made a neat segue to the subject of our experiment in the child psychology department.
0: Oh, have I? I'm not known for my neat segues. Well,
1: you manage one.
0: So, my sister, she's a high-powered lawyer, she has very little time to read to her two... Um... You
1: want to say the word Brats.
0: I do not want to say brats. I want to say fine, healthy offspring. Anyway, she is often late at the office or off on a course or working on a case abroad, so she finds it hard to read to them. She's tried Skype, but it doesn't seem to have worked.
1: Well, as I said, the point is to have the parent read the story.
0: But in our busy digital lives, it's hard to keep the bedtime story tradition going. Exactly. So what's the answer?
1: Well, we thought it was technology
0: which suggests that it wasn't.
1: I will explain. We think it is technology, but with some tweaks.
0: Hence the nightmare last night. Um,
1: yes. Let me start at the beginning. We have a very young student here at South Mims called Edwin Turl. He's a coding prodigy. That's what the West Hearts Press called him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pimply boy, green eyes. Indeed.
1: Well, he's taking classes across a wide range of subjects, And he sat in on one of my seminars on bedtime stories. That gave him an idea for a commercial product. He's always trying to think up ways to make a lot of
0: money. I hear he models himself on uh, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, or all those rich techies.
1: He does. Well, he managed to come up with a program which scans your features and captures your vocal characteristics to create a very lifelike holographic replica of an individual. A hologram? Yep. A 3D projection of an individual with rich sound.
0: Ah, I get it. When you think
1: about it, it's an obvious idea.
0: If you can't be there in person, use a hologram.
1: That's it. And a hologram programmed with an endless stream of children's books.
0: Sort of like a Kindle.
1: Yes, the Kindle of you.
0: That's what you call it?
1: It's one of the options. We're hoping Amazon will acquire the rights to the technology.
0: Though there are problems. Teething problems. Ha <laughs> Of course. An apt phrase given the audience. Oh yeah, I never thought about that.
1: So, we did an experiment. Edwin programmed a children's book by a famous South Mims author, William Grass, into the system.
0: William Grass? But he wrote very gritty, male-orientated stories in the, 19- in the 1970s. Surely it's not the kind of thing you'd read to kids.
1: Well, you were keen on Dostoevsky.
0: Grass was no Dostoevsky.
1: That is maybe... But he did write a kid's story, and it's copyright free, so we used it.
0: Intriguing. OK, so how did you conduct the experiment?
1: The first night, I read the story to my daughter in person.
0: As to control?
1: Yes. She was used to the story already. She liked it? She did, actually, yeah. Grass might have made some money if he'd published the story, but he never did. He read it to his own daughter when she was small.
0: Oh, which is how she ended up in prison, I suppose.
1: Well, that was something else entirely.
0: This isn't really helping your theory about reading to children, is it? What happened to Melissa
1: Grass has nothing to do with the story per se. Grass was a very difficult personality. That had more to do with it. Anyway, let's stick to the experiment.
0: Sorry, go on. You read the story to your child. We recorded it.
1: Here's an excerpt. OK, Lisa, you like this story. Where are my wellies? Dad, where are my wellies? said Grace to her dad. Grace, he said very seriously, your wellies are on the moon. Now, I know this is not true, my wellies are not on the moon, but it's something my dad does to distract me from what I want to do right now, 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 now. Dad, my wellies are not on the moon. Why would they be on the moon? They're on the moon to make new footprints. Footprints? When a man first walked on the moon in July 1969, They sent back pictures of the footprints they made with their big, heavy space boots. Space wellies! Yes, space wellies, said Dad, rummaging in the small cupboard under the stairs where my wellies usually are. It had rained hard, and there were lots of great big puddles, and so I wanted to splash in them all. How do they get into space all on their own? I asked. An astronaut happened to be passing, and she asked me if we had any spare wellies, and I said we did, so I lent them to her. She'll bring them right back when her space mission is done. And will she take pictures of my wellies' footprints in the moon dust? I asked. She will. Definitely.
0: Hmm. It's sweet. You learn something. And it's about a child and her inept father. That's quite good.
1: Yeah, it is. And Lisa loves the story. And how every time her dad can't find the wellies, he makes up an excuse. Next, he says they're in ancient Egypt, borrowed by a pharaoh. It's that kind of repetitive but surprising story
0: so what went wrong
1: the second evening last evening we replaced me with a hologram
0: of yourself not william grass i hope <laughs> of
1: myself yes
0: and edwin turle programmed it all he did big mistake
1: yes big mistake
0: did you record the encounter we did okay let's hear it
1: dad where are my wellies said grace to her dad Grace said very seriously sucking on a blunt your wellies are like on the moon or oh, fuck no now i know this is not true my wellies are not on the moon or fuck knows where but it's something my dad does to distract me from what i want to do right now when he's really very drunk and texting his mistress because he wants her now 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 dad my wellies are not on the moon why would they be on the moon they're on the moon to i don't know Give aliens the chance to kick shit out of each other. Gouge each other's big, really jelly-filled eyes with. Lisa, Lisa! It, it was just a nightmare.
0: Never trust Edwin Toll. He's a genius, but he has to be controlled. I know that now. Does your daughter believe it was a nightmare? I hope so. They fuck you up, your mum and dad. Philip Larkin. Please. I hate that quote. Never a truer word said, though, you'll admit. It did teach us one thing, though. Well, two things. Never trust... Yes,
1: never trust Edmund Turl was the first thing. But the second thing is, make time for your kids and read to them yourself. No amount of technology is going to help your child bond with you and become a
0: rounded person who has empathy and confidence. Or just don't have kids in the first place.
1: OK. Or don't have kids at all. That's up to you. But if you do, read to them in person, with a real book.
0: Well, that's good advice for those of you reckless enough to procreate. For the rest of us, it's time to get back home to the peace and quiet of a book-lined study and a fine Pinot Noir. Thank you, Ben Bold, for sharing your experiment with us and being so honest about its shortcomings. That is refreshing. And I'm sure that, despite our differences on the benefits of being a parent, we can agree that your work is valuable. Thank you. Please subscribe to the South Mims You podcast if you haven't already and let us know what you think about our content. In fact, if you have children, you might use our podcast to get them to sleep. <laughs> now there's a thought. Goodbye. <laughs>